Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. We're back with a rugby episode. The boys are back, Sam and Westy, after a week off. Uh, did you enjoy your week off, Sam? Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was nice to kind of just get a break from the the rigor of uh, of studying for the podcast. You know, like the, watching three games twice every weekend. <laughs> the girlfriend's not happy about this podcast being so like broad in terms of like, I have to watch the Canes and I have to watch Ireland. And I have to watch the Lions and I have to watch Connacht and I have to watch the rest of the provinces. And it's not, it doesn't go down to plus well. soccer, golf, uh, yeah, Formula actually, One. I've decided yeah. I've, I, I'm not doing the Euros. I've just decided I'm not engaged. <laughs> not on. I, I can't ask her to commit to me watching Slovakia, Poland. Like I, I, I can't justify that one. <laughs> I found justification for most of the other things, but. Those damn Slovakians are so beautiful out there. It's tough, tough not to watch. Wesley, how was your week off? Pubs open, Wesley. Did you indulge? Uh, I did, yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, it was also nice to watch rugby again for the love of it, as opposed to watching it in case I get in trouble with you. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's about, Wesley. Okay? That's what it's about. <laughs> Professionalism. We show up every... Well, not every week. We were off last week. <laughs> but before that, every week... So that's what it is. But we've got a special episode. This is the first annual. We're going with the Nunsies. We're going with the Connacht End of the Year Awards. The Nunsies going forward. Be an annual, hopefully, uh, award ceremony. Uh, and we're hoping basically in a couple of years to be selling out arenas with this. Uh, but at the moment, our bedrooms will do. Uh, but we're going to leave that to the end of the, uh, the the episode. First of all, we have to talk about the United Rugby Championship was announced instead of the Pro 14 um, basically a lot of the details come out about it. I'll go through them quickly and then we can talk about whether we like them or not I think it's it's been received pretty well but it's going to be one t- league table instead of the two conferences like before there'll be 18 regular season rounds uh, which will prevent clashes with test rugby windows boys so we'll, we'll talk about that in a few seconds um, each team will play six home and away games against their regional pools so the Irish teams obviously are in their own little pool um, Italians and Scots together South Africans together uh, and the Wel- who my favorite? Welsh teams are together. Uh, each season, the home or away fixture will alternate, so basically like the Six Nations. Um, what else has been uh, decided? South Africans will, sides will play six away games in the North Northern Hemisphere and most likely will retire, require three game tours. So you could read that as three tours, but it's actually two tours of three games. Uh, and then after 18 rounds, top eight teams will be seeded one to eight. So any of the basketball fans out there will appreciate that. Uh, and the four highest ranking teams obviously having home advantage for the quarterfinals. But we'll get into it, lads, sort of what we like and dislike. So Sam, kind of, you know, uh, having read about it, how are you feeling about it? Uh, I read it, I saw it straight away, I kind of thought NFL because they're like conferences and divisions and that side of things. Uh, it did, the first thing that happened before I read too much into it and looked it up a bit more was that I just kind of went, why does rugby have to make everything so complicated? Like does, rugby tournaments are never like straight shooting knockouts. There's always permutations and everything but uh, the more you look into it the more straightforward and probably the best possible circumstance or the best possible way of doing it with the the introduction of the South African teams and the keeping the derbies and stuff Uh, I like it in terms of what it is I don't like the European qualification thing I think that meritocracy is probably the best way to go with that just allowing the top eight teams to go through into Europe Uh, and if that forces the Italians or the Scottish or the Welsh or the Irish or South African teams to have to up their game because they're not getting into Europe regularly enough, then so be it. But I think this kind of given every uh, winner a place, it might end up being that they're all 
happily placed in the top eight anyway, but it might end up being that you could get a team placed eight or ninth qualifying for Europe uh, and, you know, not getting through. And it might end up being that someone wins the overall tournament and hasn't qualified for Europe. So that's kind of strange uh, if you think about it. Well, on the whole, I think it's probably the best thing they could have done. You could end up with alternate away games. You could have a harder strength of schedule a year. You know, the way sometimes we kind of think like, oh, you're playing England and France away this year in the Six Nations. That's your tougher year. That could end up happening. You could have the harder away games in the one year. So it could, it, it's an interesting thing and I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's definitely at least giving the league a little bit of a boost. Everyone seems a lot more positive about the league instantly as soon as it kind of came about. So, you know, probably there'll be teething problems, but I think on the whole, you know, and with the announcements of these streaming platforms and the free to air games and RTE and TG car keeping games, I think on the whole, I'm quite, quite positive about it. I think it's probably the best. I think it's going to be, far more difficult for Connick to qualify for Europe in the next couple of years anyway. Uh, we have to play all the Interpros. We lose out on those kind of advantageous weekends where we keep uh, players and other teams lose their internationals uh, and all that will add up and make it very, very difficult. But that's the challenge that people like Paul Boyle said they want. They want to be challenged. They want to fight the best. So, you know, hopefully we can stand up to it and we can get into Europe. Yeah, just for background, anyone who wasn't sure or hasn't heard, but the, the top eight teams don't go straight through to the Champions League qualification. What they're doing is the winner of each of these pools. So if Lenzo win the Irish pool, they get straight through. So the problem is you could have a team, say like Edinburgh or you know someone like or Glasgow, who maybe finish eight or ninth in the league table and get through to the the Champions Champions Cup. Whereas say if Connacht do really well and finish sixth. Uh, they don't get through because they're not in the you know they didn't win their pool, uh, or because you know different permutations. But it does require Connacht more than likely will have to finish quite high up to get the Champions Cup, which is a real shame. But as you said, Sam, it gives uh, some you know a motivation to, to to up the game and sort of beat these teams and going forward like that. But Westy, what was your kind of initial thoughts of things you liked and disliked? Yeah, I mean, it is again as Sam said, like it it is. Very complicated, but again, there wasn't. I don't think there was ever really going to be a simple way of doing it. Having a a thirty game season wasn't going to work. Um, I think it's interesting to see how long it does run. I know they're starting in late September, but the final isn't until the last week of June, so it is a very, very long time on the field for a lot of those players. Especially when you think that you're going to have a lot of them on international duty in the middle, and then a lot of them going straight into a summer tour in July. You're only really getting, and I imagine. I would imagine that maybe next season it'll start earlier again, start earlier in September and finish earlier in the year maybe to give players more time between. But this next year, on top of the year they've already had, is going to be quite hectic. Um, totally agree with saying. It, in a way, it kind of removes... It's, it's a double-edged sword, right? It removes the regional domination, but it also makes it so much harder for likes of Connacht and Ulster and even Munster now to, to get into Europe and to do well because... We are the top four teams in the league. That's not an opinion. That's you know based on the results of last year, and we're all in the same conference. So, are we going to be the top four teams? Well, probably not. It mathematically, gets a lot more difficult. Um, but again, you're never going to take away the interpros anyway. So, I, while I think it's complicated, and I think it's very unfortunate for a lot of teams, I don't think there was a fair way to do it. I also think it's it is good that the likes of Italy and Scotland agreed to be in a pool together because Italy kind of. Well, just going off paper, Italy kind of shoot themselves in the foot now by not having European rugby. Yeah, do you think Westy uh, got good feeling? Do you think this will improve Connacht over the next coming years? 
Uh, see, so you asked me two questions there, right? So I, I think I think the players that we have will rise to the occasion, but I also think it's going to be a lot harder to retain players when you can't offer them European rugby. It's, it's one of the main problems we've had over the last... Well, we haven't had it quite so much over the last 10 years because we've had on and off European campaigns, but the years before that, we couldn't keep big-name players because we couldn't offer them European rugby. So I think... I, unfortunately, I think although we might rise the occasion and we could have a couple of really good years, you are going to see more cases of Robbie Henshaw who leave to get European glory in another province. Oh, don't bring it up, Westy. Don't bring it up. Come on. Not so over soon, yet. too. Not over So yet. soon. <laughs> uh, Sam, you brought up a good point earlier on, and, I, and we touched on it when I was explaining, but the, the no games during international breaks, uh, and I've seen you tweet out about the... Centralized contracts. So, do you want to kind of go into that in a bit? Go into that in a bit of detail. Yeah, there's no there's no games during the international breaks, which is ideal from a marketing point of view for the league. Uh, Connacht have you know traditionally done quite well during those periods, and that's that's always helpful for us because we don't lose as many team players to the international game. It's going to leave long periods of no provincial rugby, uh, and if Connacht don't have a lot of players in the international squad, it's going to leave big long periods of inactivity. Know, a couple of weeks at a time in the middle of this season that's very long uh, on, a, on a side note as season ticket holders we're losing out on a few home games as well it's a it's a reduced home season it's nine home games in the league uh, which is down from what it was before uh, but yeah from the centralized contract point of view it was just something that was kind of it was something that I was thinking about it was like we we watch Leinster have I don't know how many centralized players they have now but at one point I think it was up 15 16 17 uh and Munster with a few, Ulster with a couple, and us with one. Uh, those players were centrally contracted for the benefit of Irish rugby because it meant that the Irish team had control over them. They could dictate how much time they were allowed on the pitch. They could remove them from camp whenever needed and keep them here. Uh, and if that's if there's no conflict of timings, then the centralised contract system is pointless and futile. And the money that is already being paid to these players from centralised contracts should, in my mind, be divvied up between the provinces uh, on top of the already existing uh, team funding that's given for, by the IRFU. And teams should be allowed to negotiate and teams should be allowed to pay the players they want, what they want, the likes of a Quinru, you know, jumps to mind. Uh, and then also it would probably stop the stockpiling of players in some of the provincial teams if those teams were... Leinster. <coughs> if, if, yeah, if those teams were forced to pay for them. I think it's a, an interesting point. And now that we don't have the conflicts there with the international window, uh, it, it it probably should be talked about at some point because I think it's kind of it's not a great system if you look at what it's doing. Uh, I know one team is very dominant in terms of the Irish provinces, but that team that's dominant in terms of the Irish provinces is going down the pecking order in Europe and something needs to be done about that. But on the whole, I like the fact that there's no conflict between the international and the the league window on the whole I think it's a good thing I think it's not going to be as helpful for Connacht as it has been in the past but I think it'll give more opportunities you know for A games or uh, players going back to their their clubs as you've seen in like the likes of like uh, I've seen Peter Maga Jensen plays for Hurricanes playing for his club when he doesn't get a game one week and that's that's kind of what you want and I think Pat Lamb was very big on that when he was the coach of Connacht and I'd love to see that happen again you know the AIL given getting the boost from it be interesting to see how the teams deal with these big long weeks off uh, and time off for these players but uh, I do think that that is one thing that might come out of it is the fact that there's less incentive to kind of keep players 
away from playing games the way they have done in the past, you know, these interpros where you pick and choose which interpro over Christmas you play all your studs and which one you don't and that sort of thing. That's going to happen less because there's less games. Just for devil's advocate, though, for the central contracts, though, I think is it, I can't remember what I read. This will be the format for the next three years, at least. Uh, but if they then choose to years. go back to two years, two years, yeah, and the way so after that, then if they go back to what they were doing, you'll then maybe need central contracts again. Oh no, the then... league, this league format is five years. The European qualification criteria is two years. That's to be reviewed, and the nations are going to vote on that, and it needs to be unanimous in order to keep it. Uh, so it needs to be unanimous. All the nations need to agree that this current not meritocracy version is the way to go, and I don't think that'll happen if. Munster or Ulster don't qualify for Europe one of the years uh, Connacht might not and that won't change anyone's mind but if Munster or Ulster don't qualify for Europe one of the years the IRFU will start really pushing it and they were apparently the only one of the boards to vote against the current system uh, they wanted a meritocracy they wanted the top eight to qualify and as is their interest they had the top four teams in the league last year yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. But look, uh, how do we feel about the name, Westy? The United Rugby Championship. It's a bit... Uh... Yeah, I think a doctor diagnosed me with that once. The old... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got the dreaded Irk. Oh no, I've got the Irk, the URC. Uh, but it probably good for marketing in a sense, Westy. Take the kind of number out of it so you can kind of keep this now for years and years and years. Um, what did you think of it when you heard it? Um, I thought it kind of sounded like, I don't know, some sort of... Uh, intergalactic federation from star wars or something like i thought it was a bit <laughs> bit traumatic you know i was like wow okay united rugby uh, championship whatever happened to good old celtic league huh uh, oh yeah that that, that well-known celtic city of johannesburg <laughs> hey you know why not um but no i actually I, after looking into it you know um urc is you know it's a good kind of you know good abbreviation to have for it you know, four or five years ago, we were the Rabo Direct Pro 12. You know, like it was just getting ridiculous the naming conventions that we were having. So um, it, it remains to see if, you know, if Guinness come back as a sponsor, does that mean it'll be the Guinness um, uh, United Rugby Championship or how they're going to go with that? Kirk. Um, the, the Kirk. Um, <laughs> the Kirk. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, no, like I think it's fair to them to rebrand it. Um, the Pro whatever you want to call it. See, you can't even name it anymore what it was because it's been the Pro 14 all year, but it's been 12 teams. Uh, it has it has a bit of a muddy reputation. Pundits and journalists aren't positive about it. I think it's a good move to ditch the branding and move on to something else. Yeah, yeah I agree. Super Rugby uh, did the same thing as well when they started franchising out to Argentina and Japan. They got rid of the number. Uh, and yeah, that, yeah. that just makes it less kind of specific in time. Like the URC, I think it'll all... Uh, come around to it i like the mlr in the us i've really come on to that and that's kind of that's in keeping with a couple of the, the, the mls and soccer and the nrl they have a thing going there and i think that's worth getting on to i think the worst thing that could happen to the urc is people jumping straight away and having that preconceived notion that it's too americanized and too branding wise and stuff i think it's a great little uh abbreviation that you can have and just use quickly and talk about it in the league but half the time it's just going to be referred to as the league i'd say well, there's no no harm taking a, a, a fucking few steps from the Americans when it comes to branding. They're the fucking best at it, so why not uh, in that sense? But I I hope they went the other way. I would have just kept adding sponsors and then to the <laughs> like, so, a, like, like an old Guinness. '90s Formula One 
jacket. Yeah, okay. Marlboro, Benson and Hedges. I don't know if they still. I don't know if they're still going or not. But you know, just keep adding them yeah, until John so Bayer like fourteen words. Yeah. Why is it only yeah. cigarette companies that are sponsored rugby? Bring honest, cigarette but. companies back. Bring them back. <laughs> Uh, no, but I do not? worry. I do worry about as we're talking about the complicated format and stuff. We talk about Super Rugby changing its name when they did bring in the Sunwolves and the Juarez and they brought in these multiple divisions and multiple conference systems. It fell flat in its arse. Um, so I do worry that uh, although the branding sets us up for a lovely new shiny competition, I think the overcomplicated nature of it will turn the casual fan away. I think. I, I don't think it will. To be honest, Wesley, if they do what they've said they've done, which in my opinion is not the best thing for rugby but probably the best thing for this league is they've said that this is now ring fenced and that they're not looking to expand they wanted to keep with these conferences and this set of teams that are in it which means no potential georgia or spanish team or portuguese team or anything coming russian team coming in in the long run but if it is the case like this and you build up a dynasty and you keep it the way it is the same way like the nfl was complicated for the first few years but people got used to it and now everyone can read an nfl table who follows nfl just see Oh, you're in your individual yeah but you're not you're not follower but people will it will develop and the rivalries will develop the first time someone's absolutely shafted by a poor referee and call that other team are going to become the rivalry for the next year and all that sort of stuff will come with this uh, i think the more concrete and the more continuity they have in it the better it will be the chopping and changing will kill it if they try to bring in anyone else if they try to bring in a usa franchise or georgia franchise now and add to it and change it and have it not as the even four for the straight league format that's when it'll start going all over the shop but the fact you play everyone every year and the fact that you have your four different divisions and stuff i think a year or two down the line everyone will be on on board with it but but how long how long do you think it'll last before um you know, you mentioned Munster and Ulster might miss out on the European Cup. How long before they start giving out that Glasgow and Edinburgh get a gimme of nine points every season for the first Edinburgh? year? That will. First that, year. That'll that will be the first week. Like people say, Zebra are good enough to drop them. Absolutely, immediately. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it personally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll move on from the 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 irk. Uh, we'll go on to uh, Ireland named the summer squad to face the USA and Japan. Uh, and I was probably fairly well received, I have to say. Most people were quite happy. I think we had 11, 12 now with the inclusion now, of James yeah, Hume. 12 uncapped players added. Um, we have Paul Boyle, podcast guest, Irish international now. So we're really moving up in the big time. Yeah, so any of them, um, any of them other Connick players who want in on this Irish thing, yeah. come on the podcast. I'm not it. saying it was it was us, but I'm also not not saying that. So read that into you as you will. Cahill Paul Boyle Ford in the under twenties. You had him on. It's yeah. He was interviewed today actually as well. Yeah, we're we're really moving on moving on. Uh, with Paul Boyle and Keelan Blade uh, as uncapped or for, yeah for the first caps have been brought in, which is fantastic. We were all very delighted for them. Um, from a Connacht's con- point of view, I think we're all gutted. Gav Thornbury missed out uh, due to injury, though, so at least it wasn't a snub. Um, myself and Westy actually seen him a few weeks back in a sling. Uh, we were told that he was actually fine. It was just a clean-out, but obviously there was more complications. But I think the big questions going into this from, from the squad, especially well, the, 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 the number 10 jersey, we were all kind of worried, wondering about that going into the squad. I think a lot of us were happy to see that there was no Sexton, Earls or Healy. Nothing against them. It's just, you know, again, we've had this question for what do you benefit from playing them against Japan and USA? But with Billy Burns, Harry Byrne and Joey Carberry. Westy, Harry Byrne over Ross Byrne. Were you expecting that? 
kind of, yeah, a little bit. Um, they do say Ross Byrne is coming back from an ankle injury as well, so there is an external factor there. Andy Farrell um, said he was very adamant that that was not the reason why he was dropped, though. He made sure to mention that it was the three out halves he wanted. Which is bad form, in a way, but sorry, go on ahead, Wesley. Um, I actually forgot what I was saying now, because I was so rudely interrupted. God but, uh, damn it, Sam. Uh, Fucking... Quiet down. No, I was I wasn't too excited at all. There's been unbelievable media push for Harry Byrne to get in the squad. Some of it warranted, some of it not warranted. Uh, he's been in and around training squads already. Again, as you said, Ross Byrne, we've seen a decent amount of him in a 10 jersey. Um, you're not going to get overly more value from playing him in these two fixtures, apart from maybe the Japan fixture. Um, he's had a good... I, I think he's been treated a little bit unfairly personally, but I think in this tour you want to bring as many fresh faces as possible. The, the one I'm surprised at is Billy, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised as well, because I, I would have hated to see him be tired and feathered already, but um, having been kind of uh, a bit stop-start in the other caps that he got, I'm surprised that he was brought forward again onto the tour. Um, but I hope I hope he, it benefits him. I hope that um, he takes this opportunity to kind of silence some of his critics a bit. But um, Harry, no, I'm... I'm I'm not really excited or um, surprised at all with that, I think. Um, as I say, the, the outcry from to be in that squad has been so high. He's he's the next. Hale is the next big thing. So we'll kind of see how, how he actually faces up now against the teams in the summer. The problem is we, with only two games, you can't even give them one start each. You know what I mean? You have to kind of pick and choose. And I'm sure Farrell wants to play a Carberry as much as possible to kind of see what he has with him coming back. It's gonna be interesting how he how he kind of how he manages those. Um, scrum half Sam, you know, Craig Casey's brought back in. It's great to see Blade, and then you have Gibson Park. Any surprises there? Or is that what you expected? Uh, I'm no, I'm I'm really happy now to see Blade finally get the recognition he deserves. He, he was kind of he was in around a squad uh, a couple of years ago now, about three years ago, uh, and I remember hoping he would get the Italian test and didn't, but that was kind of good experience for him. He has been unbelievable season I keep saying if he was playing if he was Craig Casey the the chat would be even more so than it is already he has he has phenomenal games all the time not least of which his last game as well like man of the match again uh, he definitely features in a couple of my tries of the season kind of candidates uh, so I'm really 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 happy for him Casey's a great prospect I'm a bit surprised how much Farrell seems to rate uh, Gibson Park I like Gibson Park not hugely but I think he is better than Luke McGrath but I just don't think either himself or Luke McGrath is as good as Blade, Marmion, Cooney, uh, Casey or Murray. I think that they're they're way down the pecking order, in my opinion. Uh, and he's just persevering with Gibson Park. It might be to do with injury for Cooney. I feel a little bit aggrieved for Marmion. I think Marmion had a very good season. I think himself and Blade have swapped between the start and nine position, kind of rotated as opposed to being dropped all season. Uh, but yeah, no, I do. I think that deservingly so Blade is in and I'm happy for him and I hope he gets game time. What would really frustrate me, and I, I don't like the fact it's only two tests. It's kind of annoying because you know the three tests is the opportunity to get more game time for these. Like there's twelve uncapped players being brought in. There's potential for one or two of those twelve to not get their cap, which would be devastating. Uh, we see Heffernan go on Six Nations team or squads all the time and not get game time, and it's it's so frustrating as a fan to see them not doing anything and to not get used not get a chance to show what they're worth. So hopefully they all get their game and hopefully Blade gets a bit of time in the pitch and not just five minutes at the end of a game. Like, I had a good laugh. Someone on Twitter said, uh, 
oh Cooney must not have got in because of injury and I was like Cooney could be in the best shape of his life he's not making the squad unfortunately it's just what it is he's not making it um, a, few, a few standouts Westy I think we're all delighted to see Balakoon make the squad uh, with a couple of uncapped as well coming in from different provinces Nick Timoney it was great to see him coming in Gavin Coombs from Munster and now James Hume coming in overall Westy you're happy with sort of the, the blend of youth and experience yeah, yeah, I'm happy with the blend of youth experience. I mean, 12 on cap players is great to bring in. It's just whether or not we actually, as Sam said, like you're in a position where it's two games. You've got, um, well, I mean, you've got two kind of 30-man squads, I suppose, um, or 25-man squads maybe with a couple of players in there in case players pull out for each day. Um, uh, I'd say, yeah, I'm just afraid a couple of those players won't get game time. I, I would like to see that kind of we've kind of been hinted at that there would be heavy rotation for these games and I just hope there's follow through and we don't just see a, a game of Ireland minus the people who weren't on the Lions tour with a few new faces on the bench you know it's very easy to pick a team there that's that all have what uh, more than 15 caps like that's not a difficult squad to pick from that list um so you just want to see the follow through now in the squad and make sure that the young lads who are running are given their fair whack and you know if that if that kind of what we learn from this kind of summer tour is carried through then to the next year, because it'd be very easy to just dismiss it and say, well, oh, well, it was USA and Japan. But I mean, I mean, okay, Japan haven't played much rugby since uh, the World Cup. I think they've only played one game. I think it was against the Seoul ones last weekend. Um, so it'd be very easy to dismiss them off the back of that. But I think it's it's a decent run out for anybody uh, who is involved. And I think it it is and should be taken as a time to prove yourself. Or at least prove that you should be looked into more. Yeah, exactly. It's two, two fun guests. Speaking of podcast guests, we've Luke Carty and Paul Mullen named on the Thirty Man USA squad. Uh, yeah. So hopefully, th- Andy Farrell not bringing Jack Carty, so we can see Luke and Jack in. Yeah, in I know, right? Ah, oh, I know. Not on. It's man. a shame. Not good. It's a shame. But hopefully they get the start. Like it's kind of I like I wouldn't be that annoyed if USA and Japan bet us both games just because of the two teams that they are, uh, and these games mean nothing. So I'm kind of kind of slightly rooting for the two the two other teams. But looking forward to watching that over the summer uh, and interesting to see how they get on. But we'll move on now to the prestigious event that is the first annual Nunsies. Uh, this award is brought to you by nobody. Uh, <laughs> but if you would like to sponsor an award, <laughs> but if you would like to sponsor awards uh, next year, uh, get in touch. But uh, we've broken these into six categories. We've got Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, Signing slash New Player of the Year, Player of the Year, whoever you want to, you know, uh, whatever way you want to say it. Try of the Year, Game of the Year, and then we had to have because it's Connacht. There was several, this is probably the <laughs> probably the highly contested category of the uh, whole thing. Worst moment of the year. Uh, or most frustrating if you want to go that way but we've all picked an individual player of the year well we might cross over we don't know yet so for the three kind of player of the years uh, we will have uh, each well well, we'll we'll pick each category on our own how how we want to do it but who wants to go first in the player of the year the most prestigious award Westy how about you I was really hoping you wouldn't pick me (laughs) Um, there's no pressure but the first award ever in the nunsies Player uh, of the Year, Westy. Who was your Connacht Player of the Year? So my nomination is Tom Daly. Um, it's not I, a nomination, Westy. This is your Player of the Year. Oh, my Player of the Year? Okay, my Player of the Year is Tom Daly. Um, Ex- explain. Last year, and maybe for the start of this year, he was kind of a, uh, I don't want to say fringe player, but he kind of was in and out. was kind of there as cover when uh, maybe Bundy or Fowler were injured. It was Tom Daly who slotted in. I think over the course of particularly the last six months or maybe eight months of the season, he's really stepped up as not only 
prove himself to be a starting player, but an international quality player. Proved himself as a leader. He's captained the team. Um, again, okay, you can say other players were unavailable, but you, you don't get handed that accolade lightly. Um, and I think his overall value to the squad as a whole, which again is highlighted by the fact he's been picked as a captain, he's obviously part of a leadership group now, um, has just skyrocketed this year. And again, not to harp on it, but like it's been an awful year. And to have somebody who played week in, week out, um, now maybe there's games he didn't play in, but I don't think he was ever unavailable for a game. I just think the work rate from the commitment from him um, and his um, reaction to what's been put upon him has just been inspirational. Well said. Can you get a round of applause for Tom Daly? I think Westy, I think I read he he didn't play in one game this whole season. It was one of the first two games. And of that... Uh, Lazy. And of Lazy. The other, uh, I take it back. I take it back. I think, <laughs> take it back. I think he started 21 of the 24 he played in as well. So, like, unbelievable go from a player that was supposedly injury prone. Like, up until... Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Way to book the trend, Tom. Very well done, Tom. Westy's uh, kind of player of the year. Sam, you can go next. Yeah, I... I have a few now and very hard to pick and a couple that I, I wanted to pick. Uh, Daly was definitely up there with it. Uh, and then I, I'm going for Caelan Blade. I think he's gone from strength to strength, strength to strength all season. Uh, he has been brilliant. He's been fighting it out with Marmion, and keeping Marmion out of the team when he needs to. He's been taking it kind of, he's been making an impact. If he's not started, he's been being a live wire. He's really, I think, up the pace when we've needed to. And he scored some very important tries uh, made some big tackles and has now got himself an Ireland call up much like Tom Daly. So I think for me, he was the kind of probably the standout player of the season. But I too that I'm going to mention that I want. Well, don't to mention him yet until I, I announce him. Did you give yours now? But I two that I wanted to put in, not because of anything like Blade, who was like caught the eye, but because of just the work that they did behind the scenes. But no, I really think Blade has stepped up this season. He's kind of mature and uh, he's pushing into that Ireland team and I think this summer tour he will push to get a start for the Japan or the uh USA game he's definitely he's definitely deserved it I think over the couple of the couple of years he's had he's like you know to keep Marmion out of a team or to to make it into such a position whereby there's no guaranteed starter when you have someone with the ability of Kieran Marmion I think is is no mean feat and he's really impressed round of applause for Killing Blade well done. So we've actually all picked a different player of the year. So that's interesting. Uh, I'll go last my player of the year. My player of the year I picked, I think, mainly for the the first like 60% of the season, I feel like he was by far the best player on the squad. Definitely quite down towards the last uh, few games of the season. But look, we're all human at the end of the day. But I've gone for Porchy uh, as my player of the season. I think, like I said, first name of the team sheet most games, Mr. Reliable. I, going back, watching through the, the highlights, it was amazing, like, the f- one pass away, he would have scored an extra 10 tries this year. Like, one <laughs> pass just didn't click or something. He was always in the right spot, just it didn't click. He was uh, but, he was killed this year by the fact that Wooten also had pace, because Wooten's yeah, exactly, between yeah. the guy with the ball and him every time. <laughs> yeah, but even, like, watching through again, he's all, it's, it's the small things for me. Every time someone scores a try, he's always like the first man there to congratulate them. The amount of times he's got his head stuck in a ruck, sometimes to the detriment of his own like play, but he's in there to clean out a ruck. I just think his his effort and all that. I just think he deserved definitely, as I said, quite in the last few games. But I think he was my kind of player of the year. So round of applause for John Porch. Yeah, on on the Porch thing as well is the move to fullback has been the making of him. Like he's he's become 
one of Connacht's best players. Uh, he was a very good winger, but he's become one of Connacht's best players. And the fact that we haven't missed Tierno Halloran uh, speaks volumes because Tierno Halloran has been a brilliant Connacht servant and has been a brilliant Connacht player. But Porti has made that fullback position his own, really. Like, yeah, 100%. And Tom did a great year too and Killing Blade as well. Um, they were definitely to, those top three for me. Just wanted to give a mention too that I couldn't pick because they weren't really standout, but they were two that deserved. Like, if, if you talk about the amount of work they get through, Finley and Masterson. Uh, Masterson was playing second row for big portions of the season because we were down with so many injuries. He plays back row. He's always there. He had the wherewithal in the Ulster game to make the call in terms of like saying it to the ref. And Finley's never present. And there's a reason he's getting called up for the Irish team a lot more than other kind of players. And he's the reason why they bring him on to make to change games like the Munster game when the scrum was going against him. Like, you, you might not look like your big Keen Healy proper, your big like Porter prop, but he really packs a punch. And I think he's just been such a great player for Connacht over the years. And I think this season he had a quietly very good season. He's definitely looking more athletic. I know, Wesley, you say you see him in the gym the odd time. He's, he's, he's toned down and then bulked up again. Like he's looking, he's looking like a big piece of machinery these days. All I'll say is he spots Westy. That's all I'll <laughs> tell you, right? That's all, right? <laughs> I haven't worked with the courage to talk to him yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He came over. <laughs> he was like, treat a page just out for me there on Monday. And he came over to me. I thought he was going to come over and like ask me to spot him, but I was just standing next to the sanitizer spray. So I bent down and picked it up. He looked at me like, what are you looking at me for? And then walked off. And I was like, oh. It's like the scene in Teenage Dirtbag, the music video, where like, Phelan's <laughs> 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 almost gliding over to Westy and Westy's like, me? Uh, well, have a word with him, Westy, and get him to come on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, that was Players of the Year. So well done to all the winners. We'll move on to the Young Player of the Year. This was, again, pretty, you know, uh, hard to pick. There's a few uh, s- selections. I'll kick this one off, sure. So my young player of the year was Niall Murray. I thought he really stepped up um, from, you know, from the first few games of the season. You could see his potential, but, you know, he still looked light. He put on, like, I think near enough 20 kgs at the end of the season, probably. Uh, he had a couple of standout performances in big games. Uh, Munster stands out. I think he got man of the match in that game. Um Really took kind of leadership role when it comes to the line out, uh, in the absence of some big big names. Whenever Gav was out or or Quinry was out, he kind of stood up, uh, and I thought that he went from stride to stride. So uh, he was my young player of the year. So well done to Niall. Uh, round of applause, please. Uh, thank you, Westy. Uh, Westy, we'll go to you next. Who was your young player of the year? Uh, there's a few ones that kind of stepped up, especially towards the end of the year. I think Peter Sullivan was pretty pretty prominent all year uh, he and Prendergrass is really good but I actually went with Niall Murray as well um, I just think as you said like the, the work that he's put in clearly in the gym to get a little bit bigger to put on not so much more weight uh, his work rate around the pitch um, again he's played a hefty amount of games this season he's really stepped up I'm hoping into a role that we'll be missing now without kind of Quinn Rue as pack leader around there's kind of a there's a gap there for someone to step up and I think that Murray kind of seems to have eyes on that and I hope it works out for him. He's, he's a Connacht born and bred player as well. He's from Roscommon um, and he's also a friend of the pod. So, you know, it's hard. I just realised we said his last name wrong again. Murray. God damn it. Murray. So much for friend of the podcast we're <laughs> pronouncing his last name wrong. Apologies, Niall Murray. So if, if you ever meet him in the streets, it's Niall Murray. But uh, that's two from two, Wesley. That's good. That's good stuff. Sam, will it be a treat, Pete, or are you going to go against the green? So I had uh, had three names put down. Uh, I had the same three that Westy said: is Sullivan, 
quietly amassed a good few caps this year. I didn't think he played as much as he did. I think it was 10 or 12 games. He scored some really important tries as well. He scored a couple of tries early on, and then he scored that one against Ulster in the win uh, after we had gone for the penalty and gone instead of gone over the bar. So, you know, he was brilliant, uh, much younger than he looks as well. He looks like he's quite good, you know, uh, had some great moments. Prendergast. Are you saying he looks old? I'm just saying that he looks more mature. He looks built. He's a big guy for a wing, you know, like he's, he could potentially, when we had that center crisis and potential center crisis, I was thinking, could he do a job in the center? You know, if you need it, he's got the size and the aggression and the physicality, you know, a little bit of work on the tackling technique, definitely, but he's, uh, he's saying he looks wrinkly. He's saying he looks wrinkly. Looks wrinkly, wrinkly and old. Uh, Gross feet. <laughs> Prendergast has had a brilliant rainbow cup and a brilliant end to the season. Didn't feature enough, but, you know, we, we were told by Niall Murray and by Paul Boyle how good uh, he he was going to be and then he just blew up there was a couple of games early on it was the Racing game as well he really made an impact and then he kind of went away for a bit and then he came back but the fact that he plays lock and back row looking great for the future but no it's, uh, it, is, it stands head and shoulders above everyone uh, both literally and figuratively in this case Niall Murray was just stand out and the fact that he's so young and seems like such a mature second row you know you talk about Quinn Rue's moving on. He's he's the other end of kind of the 20s. He's up to 30 now and Niamh Ray is still so young, but he line out calling in a game where we dominated the line out against Munster. Played quite a lot. Played in the absence of Quinn Rue in the absence of Alton Delan on times that, you know, Gav Thornbury himself looked like they'd drummed up a good partnership. He's got dancing feet as well. Uh, and, you know, his younger brother has just been called up into the Irish under 26 Nations squad. So it's looking good for Connacht having a born and bred Connacht men winning our young player of the year and their brothers getting into the even younger player of the year sort of categories. Yep. Honorous common. Uh, but yeah, Prendergast was my second. If he had played more games, he could have snatched it, but he is definitely one for the, like, well, what's it one for the future? He's already here, but his potential is just incredible. So, um, well done to Niall Murray, Murray uh, on his winner of the Young Player of the Year award. Move on to signing new player of the year. Sam, why don't you kick us off on this one? Uh, there's the easy, the easy route, which is the big papa because I love watching him play rugby. Uh, he didn't have the, the, he didn't have the impact continuously as I would have liked and would have voted for him. Uh, there's other easy routes, but I think that I'm going to go for Connor Oliver because he was brilliant, uh, quietly brilliant in the back row, really aggressive, brought a new dynamism, very good on the ground, played a good bit of rugby early on, not as much kind of towards the end of the season, a little bit, but you know, scored some tries. And I think that he's definitely one for future. So I was really impressed with him. Uh, the season as a whole is hard to judge. You kind of sort of recency bias in terms of some of these decisions. But no, I think early on, I was constantly tweeting about how good a signing he was how aggressive he looked, how up for the game he looked, how good on the ground he was. So, yeah, Connor Oliver's getting my vote for new player of the season. Nice one, nice one. Westy? I wanted to give it to Big Papa, but it, just that, <laughs> that third red card, I just couldn't, uh, <laughs> couldn't <laughs> bring myself to do. There's only two this season, Westy. Ah, come on, it still counts. It's in the last 12 months, it still counts. Um, look, we're going to argue over how many red cards he got. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's, you know, the fact that we have to have that discussion means he can't win it. That's a, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, you know, again, I'd love to give it to the best hair and facial hair in the business, uh, Ben O'Donnell. But again, just probably didn't come back into until late enough into the season. Um, I actually went with, you know, the the, the flash and flair of uh, Alex Wooten. I think uh, it's kind of shocking that he's not in the Ireland squad, really. Um, he's been pretty consistent for Connacht, um, especially when he first arrived. He, he, he hit the ground running like a freight train. Um, I don't know, is he the... Tri- uh, 
highest try scorer of the pro point. There was three, joint, three highest try scorers. It was himself, Scott Penny, and someone from Monster, and I can't remember who it was. Might have been Witchley. Maybe he wasn't quite as uh, prominent later on in the season as he was early in the season, but we did do a lot of rotation, bring a lot of different players in. But I think um, in terms of players who made an impact on the season of who we signed, I completely forget what we're saying about Connor Oliver. Um, and that there's a few other candidates that you could bring up, but I just think Wooten, um, for me, is one of the standouts. And as I say, I am, I'm baffled he didn't get an Ireland call-up. Yeah, no, it's he's he was fantastic this year. So again, I've gone differently as well. It's amazing that you guys are both wrong. And of <laughs> course, the answer is Big Papa, uh, Abraham Papali'i. The man has taken over Connacht. Uh, all the fans love him. Uh, every time there's a game on, check Twitter, Instagram, everything's about Big Papa. When's Big Papa coming on? I get the fact that red cars are an issue, don't get me wrong. <laughs> But only some of them were his fault, okay? And that's, you know, he's still learning. But no, all the aside, I thought he's come in. He's made such an impact, like, genuinely on the the supporters of Connacht. Someone like that coming in is huge for the fan base. He's fun to cheer on. He's fun to get behind. He's a huge individual, which is always fun to watch as well. He does wreck games when he comes in. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But he will make an impact on that game regardless. Uh, and the fact that he's here for another year at least, I'm delighted. Uh, I know he's back home in New Zealand now, seeing his family, which is great for him too. And he wins my new player of the year. So screw you guys. And I'm going to tell him. Next time I see him, I'm going to tell him that you guys didn't vote for him. And you're in trouble. You're in trouble. But he wins. My, yeah, he's my new player of the year. So well done to all new player of the year uh, winners. Uh, we'll move on now to try of the year, boys. This was this was tough to research because you have to watch back. As Like you said, Sam, a lot of recency bias comes into play just because of the recent games. But Westy, will you want to kick us off? What was your try of the year? Give us a little, little backdrop as well. Like, really sell it to us, Westy. Oh, so I don't know. So I have a few written down here. Um, I think one of the most ecstatic moments I had was Carthy Crossfield kick to Matt Healy against Racing. Um, one of you know, you say recency bias. Peter Sullivan's try in the corner against also the dink through from Connor Fitz. Um, Okay, I've got to spin it, right? So the, the best try to see that, in my opinion, is Blady's first try against Edinburgh, where he picks from the back of a rock, grubbers along the touchline, runs out, runs back in, catches it and dives in. It's just, the timing is perfect. The weight of the kick is perfect. Um, the vision to see it is perfect. The, the courage to go so tight to the line with the kick. Um, I just think it's an amazing score. It's, can't, no, that's it. That's you ah. can't you, you can't pick something else. You get to pick one. Okay, it's not tries of the year. It's not memeable. It's not memeable. <laughs> it's, it's not. I know try yeah. is super memeable. <laughs> I know which one he wants. Well, we've been we'll sure to be about it for months. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll say we can say that after we we. I let, let you Sam. mention that one. I leave that one out of my list, Wesley. I'll let you mention that one after. Uh, yeah, don't. Ma- well, you can mention them afterwards because you don't want to spoil it for someone else. So, Sam, have, what was your I try? That was a good one. Though I wanted to go like like Wesley. I wanted to go with the the crossfield kick the racing one just because of the the sheer balls on carty to go for that crossfield kick and the the like cobra kai side swiper kick that he goes with it's not like your average danny cipriani kind of dink through he like proper fully goes for it from the side and that like was a proper air, ga kick yeah, that was like air, outside the right airy air healy coming in through and catching it and getting it but uh yeah that was brilliant carty's intercept against leinster that just set the tone for the entire rest of the game was excellent Daly's intercept against Leinster that finished it off was just excellent but uh now my try of the year 
it is it's a little bit of recency bias it was one of the most exciting i've been for a try but it was blady against uh ulster because the big papa pick and go and then blady to go himself uh straight after it it was great play by both players it was a good team try it was in a great game as well it was a really enjoyable game to watch it was just kind of like the cherry on top so I went with that, uh, but there were was, was so many good candidates. Uh, not all flashy, YouTubeable tries, but for the moments that were in them, there were some great moments uh, surrounding some great tries. But no, Blade against Ulster, just for the big pop of pick and wrecking ball, take it out about three players, and then Blady going straight off the back of it and then changing direction in only the way that he can. He's like a little speedy Gonzalez when he gets going. He stops, he starts, and it's, uh, it's a great try. So Blady with two from two here. That's impressive. Uh, I've gone with... I watched back a lot of the tries and the one that got me most like hair standing up on my arms and neck and stuff like that was Peter Sullivan in Ravenhill. 84 minutes on the clock. Three points down. Little grubber from Connor Fitz. Touchdown from Peter Sullivan which was centimeters away from being on the t- on the line it was drama even they went the, they had to go check the tmo he gave it initially as a no try went to tmo the comic players weren't sure the drama surrounding it to get the win in raven hill uh that was that was my try there just because it made me so excited so westy what were the ones what's the memeable one just for that one of the best things about that try is that like Oh, Sullivan's actually out of frame, so you're waiting to see if Porchy will get there. Then all of a sudden, it comes out of nowhere and dives on the ball. That's what I'm saying. Porchy was literally a foot away from 20 tries this year. <laughs> like he was always there. The memeable moment is in the opening game of the season against Glasgow, where it's just it sets its own completely because it's a break by Porch. It's a beautiful offload to Wooten. It kicks it down the line, and Bundy dives on the ball, pops up on his knees. Like we have been sending a meme of this back and forth for the last nine months and it's just such a brilliant and you know it was at that point where I was like we are competitors this year like we are going to be competitive this year I just know it times of the year I thought we weren't competitive but first game <laughs> yeah. of the season I thought like, the next we're in week, it now the next week against Edinburgh that's when you were like oh no <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it that, doesn't take long to come back down the earth when you're a comic supporter <laughs> that moment that moment was brilliant with me well uh, there were some other tries that like you know just for Niall Murray's step, uh, Marmo's try and offload Marmo's try against Scarlet towards the end of the season. I have in my notes here, I wrote down kind of reminders of which try the tries were so that I wouldn't forget and just saying a name. But I have Big Papa versus Scarlet's just because Laffy Face. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> her hand oh, off. Oh, he's central far. man, five feet. Yeah, that was uh, that was then, one of those like, oh, you poor bastard. And then uh, Wooten second versus Cardiff because Delan makes a huge break. And then Wooten does like a stopping on a dime uh, wide receiver NFL style cut, cut back to score. Uh, it was such a good try. But yeah, no, like so many great tries with some great moments this season. I know the, the season was up and down, but some of the tries you're looking at like Bundy against Benetton as well, like just throwing up at the back of a mall to win it in a game that we should have lost like. That's what you want. That was one of my top three just for how important it was. Do you know what I mean? Like That's a game that Connacht lose 99 times out of 100. And to get that win was it was incredible. But yeah, those, as you said, that was that was a fun one to research for, just watching great tries uh, over and over again. We'll go on to game of the year then. This one was, you know, not necessarily the moment of the year, but just the best game that Connacht played all year. I'll kick this one off. I think beating Munster and Thoman was the best game of the year. The Leinster one was pretty obvious just because of beating Leinster in Dublin isn't isn't easy to do, but it was almost too easy for us, you know, up in Dublin. It was almost too easy. There wasn't a nail-biter. The Munster game was an absolute, in classic Connacht fashion, wasn't comfortable from first minute to the last minute. 
but it was a massive shift from the lads some great play some great defending and what really topped it off was how salty the Munster fans and players were after it which made it even better and just topped the list for me beating Munster and Toman was my Connacht game of the year uh, Sam you can go next what was your Connacht game of the year it's the Munster one you nearly sold it to me it's one of it's one of my three that's listed but uh, no I'm going to go for the Ulster the win uh, in the Rainbow Cup because of the start, which was the, the best start of any game of rugby I've ever seen. And then we like fell away and we ended up behind. And the game was kind of back and forth. And then for the try that won it, for the, the using the only time I've ever enjoyed watching that captain's referral with the uh, Masterson and Marmo break, the way that we played, the aggression in defense, the overall kind of feeling of winning away in Ravenhill, I think. Yeah, like there were some, some good wins now. There's, I'd, I'd say, I guess Westy's one as well if he goes different to the two of us. But that was, uh, for me, the actual spectacle of the game out the traps back and forth both teams in it them getting salty towards the end trying to captain's challenge that decision then trying to question the decision everyone not knowing what's going on the only time the captain's challenge has ever been exciting uh, so yeah in my mind that was probably the best game of this season so that's two different interpro wins westy will you make it a third i went with leinster in the rds no! just because yes! it is sheer conduct Dominance. There's not a second in that game where you think Leinster are winning. There's no iffy decisions. There's no thing you say, oh, well, we were this, that, and the other. No, there's no argument. We were the far superior team on the day. And for Blady saying they're playing like giants to the ref, I was just like, do you know what? Shoot me now. I'm good. I'm, I'm not going to watch me, me and Sam were down the petty route. Uh, Westy went no, just for genuine chummets. <laughs> we opposite just, reasons that you guys picked your games. I'm picking the Leinster <laughs> yeah. game. We didn't uh, actually organise this. We actually just picked genuinely three different <laughs> interpros, which is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, just a reminder that Connick bet each province away from home this year uh, in the one season. So well done to them. But we'll move on. We'll finish on the worst moment of the year. We'll finish on a bit of a negative tone, but it wouldn't be Connacht without a few uh, dodgy moments throughout the year. So uh, again, I can kick this one off, lads. I remember this game. It was <laughs> it was in the end of January. Ireland was in the middle of a lockdown that was seeming to go on forever and ever and ever. Everyone was struggling, and then this game just kind of tipped me over the edge of how bad life was. It was the Ospreys game in in uh, in the sports ground. Connacht start really well, you know they're up at half time. You're thinking they're playing really well, and I think I don't think anyone would argue the worst second half performance of the year from the lads. It was just everything that could have went wrong went wrong. Maul, that was really the start of the like oh my god our mall is really struggling here and I couldn't find anything positive to say about it and like it just sort of matched up with the country the, uh, the Ireland the state of the Ireland at that time as well was dark and depressing and just like that game so my worst moment of the year was that entire Ospreys game at the end of January so Sam what was your worst moment of the year? Uh, similar theme uh, but I did I went for my game of the year my my best win of the year was the away to Ulster so my my worst moment of the year was the second half against Ulster at home because I thought for anything except for the fact that we let them in at near the end of the first half I thought for anything we were going to dominate that game we were playing way better we looked like we had the wind and then suddenly the sports ground is what did what the sports ground does and we didn't have the wind again for the second half but uh yeah it was uh it was disappointing because I did think that that was a that was going to be kind of the time when we started to get a bit ahead of steam and rise up into it and it just never happened and we kind of fell away from it. So for me, that was the most disappointing considering I thought at halftime, geez, we're definitely in this and with a bit of wind, we can dominate this. And we just didn't show up in the second half. 
uh, quite like that game you were talking about. I think that's that for me was one of the more disappointing things to happen this season. Uh, just the manner in which you could be so good in one half and not that good in the second half. And that's that's kind of to a T, really. Game of two halves, Sam. Game of two halves, you know. Game sports ground is a game of like fucking 80 different individual minutes and different individual cross. Yeah, yeah. Sports ground was not, did not like Connacht this year. Uh, hopefully next year that's different with fans back. But Westy finishes off. What was your worst moment of the year, apart from every podcast that we've done? I was so hard to pick which one of Papali's red cards upset me so much. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I do have to write down it. They're not my number one, but they're here. Um, anytime we played a Welsh team four mall tries against Dragons, Scarlet, Outcocked, <laughs> and Connacht. Um, but my worst game of the season, right? And I can't believe me and Sam have done this. Sam went for the Ulster games. I went for the Leinster games. My worst moment of the season is getting absolutely dicked on by Leinster in the sports ground. And I'll, I'll, I actually I'll blocked that game out. I blocked that game. Oh, out. I couldn't look up the score. I couldn't watch the highlights. I just, I just knew that that was it. Like I didn't. It was like... fifty plus. I think uh, wasn't it? <laughs> it was I, in the fifties. I'll put another layer on this. Right, I had a date that night. Right, and I was like, "What are we going to do?" And she's like, "Oh, why don't we watch the Connacht match?" And I was like, "Jackpot!" It should have been the happiest moment of my life. I finally found a woman who wanted to tolerate my obsession with rugby, um, and we lost. And I was in foul humor all night, and it didn't go well. Shockingly, who would have thought? Who would have thought? thought? Um, so it was Connick's fa- fault that you didn't get any action that night. <laughs> I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but I just mean the whole experience was awful. <laughs> the whole experience, yeah. We yeah, that, I, I actually next for- week to discuss her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even worse. Yeah, I actually At least didn't last forgot, that long. I, I uh, yeah, so you fucking that'd be great. Eighty minutes, that'd be incredible. <laughs> uh, I, I I genuinely did forget all about that game, Wes, until you said it there. I just blocked it out. Blocked it out. Yeah, you gotta have a short a memory close, in this game. Close competitor for me was the not beaten monster with the thirteen. Uh, the only when they had they were down thirteen, and we didn't get it in the end. And we kind of we we bollocks it up from the back of a scrum. Uh, the only reason it wasn't the most disappointing for me was because we really had no right to be there outside of the fact that we had kind of hung on in the game and managed to get back in the last minute. Uh, so it wasn't as disappointing as the Ulster game in which I thought we were dominating and should have won uh, or that Ospreys game just because that, that's how it was for us. But yeah, yeah no, I, I had that I had that Munster game when Tigburn went, oh, that's a nice ball you have there. Might just take that. Yoink! And yeah. then ruin, the, and ruin that, uh, our entire That Leinster game... Uh, West, you similar enough. There was a Leinster game a couple of years ago in the sports ground. Myself and yourself were at it when it was like Leinster brought quite a good team and we played a young team through injury and through rotation. And I think Gallagher played in the second row that day and it was just, it was not pretty at all. Fardy absolutely dominated us. Uh, it was kind of the springboard for some good stuff after that. So I'm hoping that that Leinster game, that Leinster result was just a one-off blip and we'll go into the... Uh, What's it called again? The UTI or the URC or what's it called? The, the UTI. The, <laughs> the UTI, yeah. Uh, the Irk. It's called the Irk. Yeah, we're going to the Irk next season uh, with something to prove. Irk, 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 uh, And that, that wraps it up, boys. Our first annual Nunsies. Congrats to all the winners. Uh, I'll post up. We're going to do, yeah. So we're going to do a, a, a couple of polls on Twitter, maybe Instagram as well, with our uh, decision or our choices. And you can vote which one you think was the best for for each category uh, and if you don't vote Papali for new sign of the year <laughs> I'll, get fucking, you. <laughs> I'll fold you I'll fucking come to your house and I'll fold you but uh, and yeah let us know if you think that none of ours are right as well 
Yeah, I'll put in other options. You can respond and let, and let us know. But look, yeah, there's definitely you know it's very much a, a personal decision. But um, that kind of wraps up our Connacht podcast for the year, boys. Uh, we're obviously Lions coming up now, so we'll get our teeth kind of sunk into that. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Under twenties, uh, Six Nations. Oh, yeah, that's, that's gonna be great. True, yeah. Watch out for the Connacht boys, you know, including Carl Ford, who was on the podcast. Um, Six Connacht lads, all from Connacht as well. It's not like they're they're kind of lads from Leinster or Munster Ulster Academies. They're all six, like Ross Common, Sligo, Bally, uh, I think there's two lads from Garbley in Ballinasloe. So it's it's great to see proper Connacht young lads coming through, and you know, hopefully we get a couple of them in the senior team in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, support the boys and, and watch them on the weekend. The stars of the future might as well get a head start on them. So, uh, cheers, boys! As always for being on the podcast. Cheers for everyone listening. Uh, hopefully, in September when the the arc kicks off, we'll be in the sports ground. Uh, come and say hi. You'll get a picture with Wessie for five euro. A <laughs> um, <laughs> top off that's ten euro. So it's up to you, whatever you decide. Uh, but yeah, we'll wrap it up there, boys. Cheers. Appreciate it as always, lads. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Please, boys.